What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our awesome friends from Hy-V and Toys and Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, for every episode of the podcast. Appreciate you tuning in and checking out this episode. Well, another weekend of a Packers loss and a Badger loss. Football team, Badger football team. Another second straight week with an ugly loss for the Badger football team. And then the the Packers, again, with uh, another close loss with some chances at the end to... To, to, to win it, I mean, there's there's some similarities to 08 here where, you know, offense gets the lead and such and just can't hold on to it. I would say it's a little bit different in some aspects, though, too, so it's not completely the same as, as 2008, but, you know, it's another frustrating performance for a lot of fans, and if you were listening to the, the radio show this morning, hopefully you were, but I threw out a question because I'd seen this being talked about amongst Badger and, and Packer fans, mostly on like social media and Facebook and Twitter and such. But it was this, you know, I'm going to try to explain this because I don't know if I explained it, the, the question, that well on the air. It was like something that kind of popped up in my head as I was reading some of the comments and, and, and tweets and posts or whatever. But, you know, with, with this Badger football team sitting at 5-5, five and five, there seems to be a little bit more uh, leeway, maybe a longer leash than, say, what some fans are giving the, the Packers at this point. And, you know, for one, the, probably the biggest one for when it comes to Badger football, uh, for the reason or the excuse that you... Uh, that you hear is the fact that, uh, well, let Luke Fickle get his recruits in, let him, you know, get the the guys that he wants coming in. You know, first year program, some of those guys, you know, aren't his. He had to hit the transfer portal, this, that, the other thing. And I saw this from Jeff Patrikas, who covers the Badgers, uh, Badger basketball and Badger football. And I thought it was a fair point that he made. And, and he said, you know, a lot of those guys that they got in the transfer portal or, you know, wherever, or maybe they, you know, however they got them, they were, they were players that originally were at Cincinnati or players that they had targeted, you know, if they were in Cincinnati or Phil Longo when he was at UNC and that. So there is a lot of familiarity with these new players, with this coaching staff and players that the coaching staff initially wanted. So, I mean, you have to ask. It's not like, you know, everybody that they inherited – was all recruited by Paul Chris and, and not any of those coaches at any point in time. So I thought that was that that's a good point. But you know, with this team and a lot of new faces and 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 all that, there seems to be a little bit of a longer leash. And even though there was a ton of excitement for this Badger football team at the beginning of the season, there was there was a ton. There was a high expectation. Now that how everything has transpired, there's definitely some frustration. There's definitely some disappointment, but it also seems like I don't want to know if I I don't know if I want to say necessarily they're getting a pass, but there's definitely a little bit of a longer leash than, than Green Bay. And 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 the question I asked this morning on on the radio show was, is that right? Is that fair? 
Should this Badger football team, with a new coaching staff in place, be given a longer leash than a Packers team that, yes, same coaching staff in place, but new quarterback, young wide receivers, rookie wide receivers, tight ends, you know, going uh, the youngest team in the NFL, uh, the most inexperienced team in the NFL in a lot of a- uh, uh, facets. So is it fair to give that longer leash to, to the Badger football team and not necessarily for the Packers? Because I feel like, at least it is on, on the social media side of things, there's more criticism geared towards Green Bay than there is with Badger football right now. I'll give you my thoughts on that here in, in just a couple minutes. So uh, that's kind of that's that's the topic I, I kind of want to hit into. So that was that was first things first there. All right. So first things first. That that's the question I'm going to pose to you. I'll give you my answer at the end of this, in case you didn't get a chance to uh, hear that question on the on the radio show. So now back to this Packers game. Ah oh, man, there's a couple things I really wanna I really wanna hit up with this uh, with this particular game. One, Jordan Love. I thought Jordan Love for three quarters played some solid football. It might not have been you know, like eye-popping, um, amazing, like I can't believe he made those type of throws or those type of plays, just jaw-dropping play. I thought it was one of the most confident-looking times, if that even makes sense. It, it looked like Jordan Love was the most confident I have seen him yet to date. Throwing the ball down the field, throwing it in tight spaces, Romeo Dobbs throw, uh, you know, Allowing the Packers, allowing him essentially to to throw it a little bit too, and, and give them trust. You know, one thing I, I failed to mention on morning. I regret it. In six called the pass play to, to Aaron Jones for Matt Lafleur. For Matt Lafleur to give him give Jordan Love that confidence and maybe give the offense a little bit of a confidence boost, saying, "Hey, our play caller, our head coach, has some confidence in us right now." Maybe that that'll give us a little bit more confidence in ourselves. But overall, I thought Jordan Love the first three quarters maybe played his most consistent football that we have seen. He just looked a lot more comfortable, especially making those deeper throws. Now, fourth quarter, and mostly when I'm talking about the fourth quarter, I'm talking about the the final couple drives here, and not necessarily the last drive, but we got to throw it in the equation here. But I'm definitely, obviously, referring to the interception to Christian Watson, uh, the first one in, in the end zone. And when you look at, I mean, that was that almost reminded me to a T of the Raiders play when uh, they threw to Watson in the end zone towards the end of the game there, and it was intercepted. For whatever reason, Jordan Love and Christian Watson are just not on the same page right now. That chemistry is not there. It's not there, and I know. There's a lot of people pointing fingers at Christian Watson. Uh, there's some people pointing uh, fingers at Jordan Love. I think both, you know, are, are you kind of look at that Jordan Love. That, to me, is not the best decision uh, to make that throw to throw it, uh, to, to Watson in that situation. Uh, so I kind of point the finger a little bit more at Jordan Love on that. But throughout the season, it is absolutely fair to say that Christian Watson has had a down season. Now, I know some Packers fans out there are also, to a T, it's, it's, like, it's like clockwork. They're already saying a bust, won't, won't turn into anything, yada, yada, yada. 
And I know Christian Watson's dad was on Twitter and comparing, you know, Devontae Adams' first two years and, and you know, see what he ended up being and such. And, and I get it, and I understand why he did that. Now, that's not to say, and he's right. He's right to a point. That's not to say that I think or anybody at this point thinks that Christian Watson is going to be the next Devontae Adams. But it's just a point to be made that let's not jump off the bandwagon too soon here, okay? I still think Christian Watson has abilities to be a good receiver. He's got to be better at contested catches. He was last year. He's proven he can be that guy. He's got to be more consistent at it. And maybe it's just simply a sophomore slump. Sometimes we see that with second-year guys. Maybe that's part of it. I'm not ready to get off the Christian Watson bandwagon right now. I'm not ready to jump off that train. Definitely you want to see some improvement. You want to see better play from him. I don't know if we're going to see it next year. I don't know if we're going to see it years to come. But halfway through his second year, I'm not ready. And it's idiotic, I think, for anybody at this point to judge that guy's career based on what we've seen so far. It's going to get more opportunities. It's up to him, though. It's up to him to get better and take advantage of those opportunities. Green Bay's giving him opportunities. Jordan Love's trying to target him. Those two just somehow, some way, have to get on the same page. And you look at Romeo Dobbs. At the beginning of the year, I thought Romeo Dobbs, I, I was calling him a dude. Like, that guy's going to be a dude. All right? I thought he was going to be a stud. And and Jordan Love, that was his guy. That was that connection. He's got that go-to guy. And he's got six touchdowns. But you look at it, he hasn't had, like, a game where it's been like, wow, eye-popping, you know, multiple games, consistent games like that. And you look at the receiving core, and Green Bay really hasn't had that, right? They haven't had uh, a dominant receiver. I think, you know, Jaden Reed is their uh, receiver with the most receiving yards, and it's like 53rd in the league, I think we looked up this morning. It's, yeah, 53rd, okay? The leading receiver for the Packers is 53rd in the league. They don't have that go-to guy. They don't have a number one option right now. And that's part because Wicks, Jaden Reed, and Musgrave, who were your top three leading receivers in this game, and in fact, you want a, a kind of a crazy little statistic and a little nugget. Uh, I've I seen about these guys. This is from Zach Cruz. Yards per target rookies, weeks 8 to 10. Number one, Jaden Reed, 13.3. Luke Musgrave, number two, 11.1. Dontavian Wicks, 10.7, number three. Jackson Smith, Najigba's fourth, 9.5. Jordan Love has shown in these, especially these last couple weeks, but throughout parts of the season, it he, he trusts those rookie guys. He trusts those young guys. He's got something working with those young guys. He's taking advantage of that right now, and I think that's going to pay huge dividends down the road for those guys, and they're filling in nicely and getting in some valuable experience right now with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs not putting up the numbers that I think a lot of us expected. Dobbs has got the touchdown catches, but I think we expected him to be that go-to 100-yard receiver week in, week out, and it's just not there. And it may not necessarily be Dobbs. Maybe it's part of the, it's, it's the game plan. It's you know, the, the passing attempts and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But we do, Green Bay does not have a number one guy right now. They don't have a number one pass catcher. It could be Watson. 
next year. Could be Dobbs. Could end up being Musgrave. But with those two guys, with Watson and Dobbs, not maybe taking that second-year jump that we had all hoped or what we had all expected, I guess the one positive in this whole thing is we're seeing what Reed and Wicks and Musgrave are capable of doing in their careers. That's what we're, we're seeing, could be capable. We've seen what Dobbs and Watson are capable of doing. We saw that last year. We're seeing it with those three guys. Now, if all of that comes together with those five, you have got a solid receiving group. You've got a solid receiving group. But the biggest thing is, is that all going to come together next year or the year after? Is it ever? Are they all going to be in sync with this thing? That is what we don't know yet. And that's what this Packers team it, if if they gotta hope it does because if they do, I think they got a good young core there, but it's got to come together all at the same time. We talked about it at the beginning of the year, growing together. They're doing that right now. It's not always the prettiest thing, it's not always the best thing, but they're doing it right now. So, again, I guess you know the first thing talking about. I thought Jordan Love played pretty darn good the first three quarters. And, you know, getting in that uh, crunch time there, trying to lead a game-winning drive, I thought it was a bad decision. And we've seen that at times before with with Jordan Love, maybe in some crunch time decisions with bad throws or bad decisions. Didn't do that with the Saints. But you look at the Raiders and and such and and, and Broncos and that and, and even Minnesota. Had chances, right? It's just not there yet. And you hope that those better decisions come with more experience, more playing time, and you just hope that he will make better better decisions as he starts to gain a little bit more experience. I know people don't want to hear that about Jordan Love, but that's the facts. That's the truth. Some younger quarterbacks have it quicker. C.J. Stroud doing what he's doing this year is absolutely amazing. It's It's amazing. Not every quarterback starts off their careers like that. Not everyone does. And the ones that don't start off their careers like that, that doesn't mean they're going to be busts, that they're going to be awful quarterbacks. Doesn't mean that. But that's what C.J. Stroud is doing. That's a credit to him, and that's a credit to Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator and the coaching staff there. But I'm not ready at this point to even jump off the, you know, I don't think Green Bay, or I don't think I'm ready to jump off the, the Jordan Love train I don't know if I was necessarily on a Jordan Love train. I was optimistic and I want to see more. But I think yesterday's game actually helped the case for Jordan Love to be the guy, the quarterback of the future. I just thought those first three quarters were some of his best, most consistent play in terms of stretching the field, hitting some long balls, and and you know getting the ball out and getting it to his playmakers there. Uh, the other thing that I kind of wanted to hit up on the most, I mean, defensively for this Packers team, uh, I mean, it looks like the Steelers team, who was struggling offensively this year, it looks like they weren't going to punt the ball at all in the first couple of drives here. I mean, Kenny Pickett in the offense and Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, was just having, like, Joe Barry's number. And that was very frustrating to see, but... 
the the one aspect of this that was very frustrating to me was the run defense. The couple weeks leading up to this, the run defense had gotten better. Like, okay, maybe they turned a quarter. Maybe they got things figured out. Maybe it's getting a little bit better. Ain't wrong. Steelers exploited that. And the thing that just kind of annoys you the most with it is that the weakest part of this Packers defense was the corners. No Jair. Valentine, Carrington, and Corey Valentine. Those were your top two corners. Not counting Nixon, who was your slot corner. But those are your two outside corners. Any other team, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't say any other team, a lot of teams would be like, all right, we know what we're doing. We're going to throw the football, and we're going to pick on that seventh-round rookie uh, draft pick and that guy who's up and down from the practice squad. That's what we're going to do. We've got George Pickens. We've got Deontay Johnson. we got Allen Robinson. We're going to pick on these corners. We're going to pick on them. They didn't have to do that. Kenny Pickett threw the ball 23 times, 14 of 23. Why didn't they have to do it? Because the Packers couldn't stop their damn run. I mean, that first half, two down linemen, two down linemen, especially in the red zone too. We saw that. That ain't going to help you stop the run. I don't care if you got two down linemen, two outside linebackers, and a linebacker up there. If you don't have the big guys up there, you're going to have some open holes. And boy, were there some open holes. That was the frustrating part. My guess is, is that, okay, they went in thinking we got to have some extra defensive help, defensive back help with these two corners out there. We're going to have another corner out there, more safeties, just to give them some more help back there. So you put in a nickel, you put in a dime, that takes away defensive linemen. That, that's my guess what that thinking was. But the thing is, when the offense is having success running the football where they don't have to pass on you, adjust it a little bit quicker instead of halftime. Okay? That was, they got better in the second half. I'll give them credit there, but why did it take that much longer? And I just, it just, that that was frustrating to see two down linemen. And that's one thing, too. I, th- I feel like the best defenses in the league would still have, even if you're a 3-4 defense, whatever, the best defenses in the league, it starts up front with defensive line play. With the big guys on the front, the defensive line play, and edge rushers. And I feel like Green Bay is, they don't value defensive linemen as much as I think they should. Yes, they got Kenny Clark. Yes, they got Devontae Wyatt. But I wish they would just come up with a different scheme or different play calls or whatever to really utilize their defensive line or to get better production out of their defensive line. Because I think you could still have an effective pass rush with three defensive linemen, at least three defensive linemen up there. I just, you know, and to help out your corners too, it might help if you just generate more pressure. And they were going after uh, Kenny Pickett. I mean, Green Bay statistically is one of the heavier, more heavier blitzers and pressure teams out there. Their issues may just simply be as getting to the quarterback in time. Getting to that quarterback in time. And Preston Smith, I think, is quietly having a nice season. But it was just, why are we constantly putting two defensive line? I mean, you are inviting these Steelers to just run the football. That's what they want to do for crying out loud. 
It was like they were scared of Kenny Pickett. I get it to be concerned about Johnson and George Pickens going up with those corners. But if you put pressure on Kenny Pickett, what has he shown? No offense, kid, but what has he shown in his career that he's going to light you up? Just win at the line of scrimmage. Win at the dang line of scrimmage. That was really frustrating to see from uh, from the defense yesterday. So, to kind of wrap this up, going back to the question at, at, at hand here, Badgers, 5-5 five and five so far this season. Packers, 3-6. and six. A lot of similarities. Offenses stink. Defense is probably not as good that each uh, had, had hoped or expected with these uh, two particular teams. Yet, there seems to be a little bit of a longer leash when it comes to the Badgers compared to the Packers. And I'm kind of focusing more on the head coaches here. Okay. I get it. Luke Fickle is in year one for the Badgers, and there's no way do I believe that he should be fired, let go. I don't think he's a bust. We're not even there yet. No way. But with that type of energy, um, you know, with the energy that we're, or with the, you know, with, I guess what I'm trying to say is, for, for some who are willing to give, you know, Luke Fickle a year, maybe a couple years to, you know, get things going, turn the program around and such, have that same energy with the Packers right now. I'm kind of pleading to you. And it's tough for me too at times. I will admit, it is tough for me too. But for those who are Badgers and Packer fans, and if you are a Badger fan saying, hey, Year one, let's give it a couple years, let him build it, let him get his guys in, etc., etc., etc. Have that same energy with Matt LaFleur. His offense, right now, you've got your two receivers of Watson and Dobbs in their second years, maybe hitting a little bit of that sophomore slump that we see sometimes. His leading receiver right now is a rookie second-round pick. Second-round pick? Yeah, third-round pick. Somewhere around there. Jane Reed. Musgrave. Dontavian Wicks. The next three. I mean, in terms of, like, the last couple weeks especially. An offensive line that lost their left tackle and have been trying to find another tackle over there. Issues with injuries up there. Aaron Jones missed a big portion of this season. Was supposed to be the stabling force with those hamstring injuries. That same energy that we're having with Luke Fickle of like saying, all right, let him get his guys in, let him get his system going, that sort of stuff. Let's have that same energy with Matt LaFleur in the offense. Have that same energy. Let Jordan Love, I didn't even mention Jordan Love, let Jordan Love continue to grow with these youngsters. Let him continue to grow with them. Defense, I don't give him a pass. Notice that I am saying before. Yes. To me, Joe Barry is not going to be next year. I don't think that's the case. If he is, then I have some questions. Is Joe Barry having like a god-awful year? It's not a god-awful year. It's more, I would, I would describe it more as a frustrating year and a puzzling year. But I'm kind of focusing on, on the offensive side of things here a little bit because I know Matt LaFleur is the head coach and oversees 
everything here, but I guess I've, I've got maybe some blind confidence that he's going to make a change at defensive coordinator this offseason. And hopefully it's the right one. I'm I'm just I'm nervous it's gonna be mistaken. But I be a blind foolishness. I'm assuming he's making a defense. Let's hope, it's, let's hope it's a good one. But I guess I'm looking at it from the offensive side because I know there's a lot of frustration with Jordan Love. There's a lot of frustration right now with Christian Watson. There's a lot of frustration with how this offense is being played and the results that we're seeing. I'm cautiously optimistic that it's going to get better. And I'm cautiously optimistic about this team in the next couple of years. This Packers team in the next couple of years, like I am with this Badger football team. Because, you know, on the Packers side of things, they're going to have a bunch of cap space next year. They're going to have more experience from these guys from playing this year. Draft capital obviously coming into. I think after this season, the next two years, it's going to be something to watch with this Packers team. Not, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to go out and say Super Bowl championship or anything like that. But I think what you're seeing is kind of mostly focusing on the offense right now. What we're seeing with this offense and the playmakers there. Paired up with Jordan Love. I think there's something to be optimistic about. So if we're willing to give Luke Fickle and that Badger football team some patience until they can get their guys in, quote-unquote, their guys in, and let them build a program. Let's let LaFleur do the same with his offense, build that offense, gaining some more experience there until they get comfortable with that offense, until they get that experience, so they know it like the back of their hand. So they know it, and it looks like a veteran group out there. Maybe I'm, I've got blind faith in that. Maybe I'm overconfident, but I'm willing to see it play out into next year. I'm willing to see it. And maybe I've just got some blind confidence that he's going to make a change at defensive coordinator. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to catch up with uh, our good buddy, Joe Grabowski, former Badger offensive lineman, owner of Cabot Coffee. Now, this conversation was taking place uh, before the game against Northwestern. And if you were listening to the podcast, you know there's always some great insights. And uh, answer a couple of questions. Let's quick and we'll chat with Joe Grabowski after these quick words. Shoppers, listen up. Are you ready to save big on all your grocery needs? Why wouldn't you? Well, then head on down to Hy-Vee in Eau Claire where the deals are sizzling hot. Hy-Vee has the fresh produce, top quality meats, pantry staples, and all your favorite brands under one roof. And don't forget about their amazing in-store bakery and deli. Need a quick bite to eat? Hy-Vee in Eau Claire has many different options to choose from at their food court as well. So go ahead and visit Hy-Vee in Eau Claire, your one-stop shop for savings, quality, and convenience. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for a driving experience like no other? At Toys and Ford, they're not just selling cars, they're delivering dreams on four wheels. With a wide range of Ford vehicles, you'll find the perfect ride to suit your style and needs. Their expert team is there to guide you through every step of the way, from test driving to financing. They're committed to making your car buying journey seamless and enjoyable. Toys and Ford, where your automotive dreams become a reality. Visit them today and experience the thrill of driving with the best it's time to catch up with our good buddy mr joe grabowski cabin coffee owner former badger offensive lineman happy november man we are in it we are in it uh 
frustrating loss last week against uh, against uh, Indiana, which it took like they haven't won a game against Big Ten in a long time. It seems like in a few years or whatever the the statistic is over there. But yeah, that, that was that was hard to watch. Yeah, uh, offense struggling a little bit to to move the ball and such and. Um, I guess I'll, I'll get to the one question we had because we had a couple a uh, couple good questions from everybody out there. So thank you for that. And again, if you ever have one, reach out and uh, I'll ask Joe for you. But uh, one question was: as a former offensive lineman, uh, do you take it personally? Do you get frustrated when you watch this Badger team struggle with, with offensive line play? And considering, I mean, the the history of of the talented offensive line to, to come through there. Yes, I do. Um, that's uh, most. <laughs> easiest answer yeah. um yeah i have body parts pieces and uh brain cells invested in that program mm-hmm. um and i do take it personal um when i went there there was a strong tradition of offensive linemen um while i was there we had some amazing offensive linemen and even after us so like you you when you go to Wisconsin and you're an offensive lineman, the expectation, the history, the pedigree is already there. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge responsibility because you have old guys like me out there still paying attention to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, friends that played on the Badgers in the 80s that were offensive line, and they they do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it is a passing of the torch. Right. Yeah, it means something because there's a history there. There's... People far better than you and me have d- sacrificed a lot more to play this game, and that's the responsibility on your shoulder, mm-hmm. 100%. I know you've kind of mentioned it a couple times, but like when you're watching a game, you kind of almost point out or you kind of know some stuff going on mm-hmm. there. I mean, you know, is when you look do that, do you look at like footwork? You know, what what kind of you know stuff do you really kind of look at when you watch that? Mostly footwork, um, looking at the combo blocks coming off, technique especially. Um, even if I'm not, don't know exactly because things have changed in 20 some years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's still the same, I guess you could say. Fundamentals are kind yeah. of still the same. You know, everything's still the same. So you're watching at that, and even effort off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're doing a combo block on a down lineman coming off on a linebacker, are you getting you know the, the surge forward or are you getting stood up? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's so many facets of that game in a single snap. But mm-hmm. yeah, I still get fired up. Um, <laughs> My wife and my kids don't like to watch football with me, which I completely <laughs> understand because, uh, yeah, and even the dog will leave the room after a while. Okay, your dog's not the only one. My dog does that no. too. <laughs> um, anytime I get excited or start yelling at the TV and frustration, then my dogs take off, so I understand <laughs> that too, so... I watched a lot of games on myself, which yep. is fine. Yep. Okay. I thought my dog was what it's like. As soon as they could hear a football game on, it's like they're in the yep. other room uh, after that. So, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of Badger fans and players and coaches are incredibly mm-hmm. frustrated with that. And I know, you, you know, you we've kind of said too. You know, it is first year Luke Fickle right. patience. And, yep. and that, does that patience ever wear thin on you though? A um, little bit, or does it help? Do you think as you've played and you kind of understand what goes into it? I think it helps me. Um, you can't. You can only will some things to go, you know, so far. Mm-hmm. And then it comes down to your personnel. And if you don't have the personnel that are in the right place, and again, he inherited the team. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He may not have had the correct personnel in the certain locations for what the offense or the defense that he's trying to run. So there is a grace period, yes. Um, how long is that? I guess it depends. We are kind of spoiled here in the States compared to, like, the – 80s with the Packers and the Badgers and mm-hmm. uh, you know but the expectation is there he was brought in to 
live up to that expectation. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so we'll give him his fair shot. And then, uh, like I said, I listen to him talk. I don't have an inside scoop there. Um, just watching how he holds himself. Mm-hmm. There is a passion there. There is a fire there. That's what I observe. And, uh, again, we have to give, be able to give him a little bit of grace and patience. And uh, I said, I think ultimately he'll swing it back. I don't know if you do this or not, but as a – do you go down? I call it the dark social media web where, you know, everybody's got to comment on everything, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to sports and, and teams and that's and – once in a while I'll do it, and then that just riles me up a little bit more, mm-hmm. and i got to stop myself at that. Right. Two-part question. One, do you ever catch yourself doing that? Do you ever try to go down? Do you ever see what people are saying or comments on there? Yeah. In there? Okay. Because there was one, and I don't know if it was around here, but it was like a Badger one, and I kind of thought of you right away. I'm like, ooh, if Joe saw this, like, <laughs> I feel like he probably wouldn't want to be trying to hold back. Guy was really going off on, on like Luke Fickle saying he was – but he also went after Barry Alvarez. Really? said Barry Alvarez was the most overrated co- – was a very overrated coach. Jeez, and, you know, he said only won 10 games, you know, this year, and it took another 40 years and all. I'm like, oh, boy. Wow. I just – I don't know about that one there, guy. Yeah. Um, you look at the program before Barry Alvarez and what he established and did and built in his tenure here. I don't know how you could say he was a bad coach. Um, he turned the program around from just another game against other Big Ten opponents where we were looked past. That's what I was like thinking. I'm like, you're upset because you're not playing to a high level. Who set that high level? Right. It was Coach Alvarez, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, know? 100%. So I, uh, my wife's aunt lives in Milwaukee, and she recalled the time when they were giving away season tickets mm-hmm. for the Badgers, and they couldn't get a full stadium. You know, and we've come a million miles. And uh, But again, folks, like, it's his first year. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't turn Cincinnati around. And if I, I'm going back through my memory, which is sketchy at best, I don't think Coach Alvarez won a game his first year. Or maybe he only won one. I think right. he went, did he offer? I mean, he might have offered. Yeah, maybe I, like a conference I, play. Yeah. yeah. So, and then it would have been like two years later or three years later, we had the Rose Bowl. So, let's just, again. Does that get too fired up? And that's the thing, too. Like, I think people kind of forget, you know, the reason he's here is because the coach got fired because mm-hmm. the team wasn't doing that well. Right. Right? When you think yeah. about it, it's like it's not like he inherited a national championship team. Very true. With, with a lot of talent he's on there already. here to build and uh, give him his fair shot because I think he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, but that's that's 2023 and social media instant reaction opinion type of thing out there you know it's and maybe it's just because you know is it because we got spoiled a lot of times too and to answer the other part of your question i i like to know what people are saying i don't get as fired up as some people um Mm -hmm. you're not going to hear me like going to an exchange on social media about you know because although i find them rather funny yeah because some of sometimes they are um, but he also gives you uh, insight to to people and what their thought is. So I, I sometimes I enjoy him. Other times I find him annoying. But mm-hmm. I like to know what's being said out there. I'm a little nosy. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, one in ten. His first year, zero and eight in conference play. There you go. So like I said, yep. um, and that's just he comes from Ohio State. He was an amazing athlete. He turned around Cincinnati, folks. Like this is 
let's just maybe in five years I'll be saying I can't believe that we were talking about you know how horrible he did. Right. But again, you don't know. You don't have a crystal ball. Yep. Let the man do his job. I can yep. tell you, you listen to him talk. You listen to him. You watch him on on television. I can promise you, as a head coach, from what I'm seeing, these are all the things you want to see out of a head coach. Mm-hmm. That's it. Give him time. Be patient. Well said, sir. Uh, I'll go into the other question uh, that we had as well. Uh, and something I think you know, you've when you've talked about you know going up against uh, Lyman and such. Uh, but this one was from. Let me bring up the name. This one was from Eric. Uh, Eric was asking, as an offensive lineman, do you personally? Prefer to go up against a speed rusher or a power rusher? Power rusher all day power. long. Yeah, you're not embarrassed as easy on uh, <laughs> on, uh, on, on the on the ESPN uh, when you uh, get blown. Okay, so if if a guy gets into me, gets the best of me on one play, mm-hmm. and, and and he bull rushes me or pushes me back. Okay, all right. Now you got my, you know. Yep. Now I'm gonna bow up on you. Like, not <laughs> I that I haven't stuff. been, but I'm gonna find that extra yep. that extra to make sure it doesn't happen again. If you are faster than me and I can't lay a hand on you, I'm not going to automatically be able to get faster. Right. Because I'm already trying to go, like, I mean, in watching film, I know that you're a speed rusher, but if you are beating me with speed, I cannot all of a sudden get faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a fighting chance with a power rusher that, uh, or a bull rusher than I do with a, with a speed rusher. Does that kind of go back to, I think we asked this a couple weeks ago when somebody asked you, you know, uh, tackle or guard? Is that mm-hmm. kind of relate to the guard yeah, where absolutely. you don't have to go get those edge rushers? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're on an island for a tackle. Made mm-hmm. look stupid. Uh, you know, and um, I just enjoyed the guard because, well, one, we pulled. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. And yep. then uh, you're, you're, you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So easier to hide. And when, when you do make your mistakes, when, when you're on an island, whew. Yeah. Yeah, one of those that's times when, where that's when you are on ESPN you just at times, keep right? watching the, re- the the instant replay of your quarterback getting depleted, and there you are, and mm-hmm. there, oh, there I am again, missing the block. Yeah, it's just, uh, but it comes with the territory. I don't know why I thought of this. Did you ever have a nickname when you were playing? Uh, it's Grabo. Grabo. Uh, yeah, my last name is Grabowski. Mm-hmm. Um, they spelled my name wrong on my locker when my first <laughs> when I was there. Uh, instead of G R I, they spelled it G R A, and I walked in and I kind of kind of laughed to myself. It's a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um. All of my friends, all of my roommates, including my head coach, call, or uh, O-line coach, called me Grabo. And <laughs> it was never, in high school, it was Grebo. Right. So, um, talking to just some of the players around there, they're like, they spelled my name. I said, you know it's not spelled with an, with an A, right? Like, no, it's not. It's, I'm like, yeah, it's G-R-I. Like why the heck have we been calling you Grabo this long? I said, you know what? It was a spelling error on my locker the first day. <laughs> You know, my my nameplate said Gr- Grabowski, and uh, so, but to this day, it's I'm stuck. still, high school, I'm called Grebo, and uh, and college, it's Grabo. I'm thinking, like, offensive line, are you sure you want, like, a Grabo, you know, like, grabbing? <laughs> yeah, very, very true. A very nickname right there, too. So. Very true. But, uh, you know, there, I don't know if you had a chance, I didn't get a kit uh, to watch it all, but I saw Ron Dane a couple weeks ago, was on, on mm-hmm. Jim Rome, and he was actually telling a story about... Uh, how Barry Alvarez recruited him and got him to to mm-hmm. come to Wisconsin, and I was listening to a little bit of it, but it just reminded me of your story too, how Barry recruited you, yeah. and and uh, just it kind of there's a lot of common themes there is. to it. Um, with that. Like I said he he walked in here with us, he walked into Wisconsin with a swagger. I mean, just look at the guy. He even said it like in his first televised interview, "You better buy your tickets now." 
because you're not you're not going to be able to to get them. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that's your first day. Right. That's your first five minutes on the, on the podium, and that pushes puts pressure on himself. It does, one hundred percent. I mean, because now are you a guy that can walk the walk, mm-hmm. or you right. know, are you, you know? So I mean, but he did. I mean, he did everything that he set out to do, and right. uh, yeah, like I said, we hold him in the highest regard. And I'm like I said, I'm forty seven, and if he asked me to to run through the wall to get out of the building, I would do it without hesitation because mm-hmm. I would. That's how much he he was revered. I mean, doesn't it say a lot to like when? Uh, Bielema left, and then Gary Anderson left, and they had bowl games. Mm-hmm. Name another program where their athletic director would have came in and and filled in as head coach. And when you mentioned Swag, because <laughs> I think his his uh, godson was on a team, yeah. and he you know Barry was talking to him, and and his godson said, "Grandpa, we need Swag." Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. I can't think of another program that where you know a guy can just jump in and. Yeah. And they still win. Absolutely. You know, but I mean, they have their respect from generations of kids who, you know, they didn't play under him, right? but they know him. Mm-hmm. They know about him. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he, he could run for governor right now probably of Wisconsin and, and, and win it because everyone knows who he is. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just, like I said, he's just an amazing guy. Like, you talk about life lessons, um, just how he went about his business. And like I said, he was uh, – just an amazing human being and he I mean, still is and uh he just did great things for this state and for this program and uh he's so well respected mm-hmm. throughout collegiate sports and just in the community in the state yeah he's a great mm-hmm. guy I mean, yeah. was it when you were there how much did you guys like pay attention to the other programs going on like with hockey or, or basketball, was that something? Was there like a, any type of maybe internal competition with, with no, you guys? We for got success along or? with hockey players. They yeah. were fun to hang out with because they were similar mindsets to a yeah. football player. Uh, we hung out with, with with basketball players. There was no really like inter sport or you know a competition. Like we all got along. We all knew that this was such an important time. It's such a very cool experience in our life, and you have that mutual respect. No matter what sport it is, if you're a collegiate athlete, you are. Um, you are working, you know, it's, there's no easy days. It's mm-hmm. the, the admiration you have for each other for your craft and how hard you work mm-hmm. and the hours because we all knew what it take right to perform at that level. Right, because I know right now, you know, Wisconsin, you're looking at both the hockey programs doing incredibly mm-hmm. well right now and obviously volleyball is doing yep. really well down there too. Absolutely. So, And, uh, well, we'll see with basketball coming up here too. Did yep, you have yeah. a chance to go to much games? Or yeah, you, yeah? Oh, we went to the games. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Oh, cool. We enjoyed it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 it's been so long that I even thought about the. But we used to go to the games all the time. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. Yeah, and hockey was always fun because I mean, not only that. I mean, like we were friends with the people, so it was it was pretty cool to be able to. It's go almost kind of like your own fraternity, a little Absolutely. bit, right? You, you mean, know, the whole athletic program. Yeah, like <clears throat> I don't care if you were rowing or what it was. Like mm-hmm. you, no matter what, you were. You always still is weird that Wisconsin has a rowing program, <laughs> <laughs> but. We were even friends with some of the rowers, so like, yeah. I mean, it was this big fraternity of athletes. It didn't matter what you played, or you know what you did, or what sport it was. It was just that kind of that camaraderie, that mm-hmm. that fraternity of 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 student athletes at the collegiate level. It's just an impressive thing all the way around. Was there? Were you able to play intramurals or anything like that? No, you, no I didn't think so because no, no, no. of your status and that, right? Yeah, there yeah. was no uh, extracurricular intramural. I mean, besides, we were getting our butts kicked and. 
<laughs> Even in the off season, we were the workouts were pretty intense. I didn't have much energy in the tank after <laughs> to, to do anything else. Because I saw uh, there was I was starting to read a story about the the Badger basketball team this year, and it started off with some of the players were playing in an intramural softball game. I'm like, mm. I don't know if that would have you know maybe certain programs have different rules. I don't know, but I, I'm like that kind of caught me off guard right I, away. I don't think uh, that would be a thing. I knew we had like one or two people that were uh, football players that would also do a little bit of stuff with track. Yeah, because they were just amazing athletes. But uh, I remember Michael Bennett. I think the running back was really yeah, big in the track too. Absolutely, and, yeah. A lot of that so, speed guys over there. So. Yeah, so I mean that was, but still that's that's organized and mm-hmm. <laughs> there's coaches and trainers watching you. It's not a yep. yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't risk a lot. Um, I would. I don't. I wasn't quite sure if it was one of those where they said you definitely will not. But I feel it's like one of those unwritten rules. You're not going to go play soccer with, mm-hmm. you know, intramural and, uh, right. you know, so yeah. <laughs> so we got uh, three more games left of this season. Yep. They, they need one more win to become bowl eligible mm-hmm. to keep that streak going here. Two are at Camp Randall. Of course, we got uh, the Axe game, which I'm, yeah. I can't wait to talk to you about that game when we get closer. <laughs> uh but what would you, you know, if if you were in a situation where you're coming off of an, a bad loss, mm-hmm. you're five and four, you got one more win to, to get bowl eligible, what's that mindset with this team right now, or what would your mindset be? Got to push. Mm-hmm. Got to grind. Um, it's the grind, and that's what it is. Like, we, everyone here knows that you, you don't want to be the team that that broke the, the bowl game right. streak. So there is pressure. Pressure on the coaches, too. But you're not you're not portraying that pressure onto your players. We're not like, come on, guys, we got to win one. Eh. Yeah. You're gonna keep on working, and you're gonna keep on grinding, and you're gonna try to find a way to win a game in the next three, mm-hmm. so you can maintain that streak. Um, but you're not you're not passing that along to you. The game is hard enough. College was hard enough. You. I think any student, any football player at Wisconsin knows what's going on. So there's no needed stress. It's an unwritten. Yeah, we 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 need to do this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And then we got I got Minnesota coming up. Your your yeah. face just if anybody can see it when we said it, his face just kind of like yeah, I'm ready for that. Right, you know, just yeah, that's gonna be a good trip down memory lane with that I one. Would, uh, <laughs> give me one series. Yeah, against Minnesota, just one. <laughs> Put the, park the ambulance in the back of the end zone. <laughs> I'd love that. That's so cool. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, before we let you go here, it is November. I know we've talked about uh, you know the the new flavor of the month, the German chocolate cake. Yep. Uh, for for November here too. Mm-hmm. So is that what we've got? So we got an ice one today. Yeah. Um, you know, it's getting to be uh, cooler. So if you're into hot drinks, you know, it's, we're tra- starting to come, come see the switch now. In summertime, it's usually cold or iced or blended, and now it's uh, we're picking up on the hot stations, which is exactly still really good. Yep. I mean, and I, I mean, next week they're talking fifties too, so you might go back and forth. One day is going to be hot because it's a little chilly, and then you can go right back to the uh, the blended or iced. So I, I am appreciative of these little uh, nice days that are sprinkled throughout this because I'm not ready for winter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still scrambling. <laughs> like it just catches me off guard every year. Yeah. So. It's life. Yeah, it is. So, and then of course your, uh, chicken sandwich, salad sandwich oh, we brought yeah. in today. Uh, we have rave reviews about that. Yes. Uh, we also have, we, so we have a large chicken salad sandwich served with chips and a pickle. And then we also have a mini one. So we have Ooh. a couple mini sandwiches too. Just passing through, or for the kids, it's great. Yeah. Or if you just want a little something to get you to the next uh, next meal, 
We have a mini BLT, mini chicken sandwich, and then a mini uh, hot ham and cheese. It's just Look served on a yeast roll, so it's Heck yeah. kids love them. And uh, we have <laughs> needed a snack before I get, you know, before this meeting. So there you go. Right. Well, speaking of meetings, too, another reminder, you've got uh, the rooms. If anybody yep. needs to reserve or looking for that, mm-hmm. for a space over there, you've got that, uh, got that open for people, yep. too. So, so because, uh, I think it's these seats 32. And it's got a TV where you can uh, do your presentations. I think we had somebody in there almost all day yesterday. So it was pretty good. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. Joe, appreciate it, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll catch up with you. Hopefully we're talking about a win against Northwestern. Yeah, like I said. Northwestern, You have, man. You have yeah. to ride the lows and the highs. Mm-hmm. You have to. You know, and again, it, nothing, I, I, I think I mentioned this a handful of times, and nothing is given in college in college sports. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the, 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 the Clemson program right now. Yeah. Like, they were on top of the game. It was LS, uh, LSU and Alabama and Clemson were the ones, the big yep. dogs. And now they've slipped. Yep. You know, it's one of those things. Um, but you you have to stick it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. we'll figure it out. Yes. A little grace, little, little, grace, little patience. Give him some time. Let him establish himself. And then we're going to be fine. I don't know. Did you get a chance really quick to, to wrap it up here? I'm going to bring it to the upcoming schedule for, for next year. I, did, uh, I, I, I saw a blurb of it. I did not get it. I wasn't in there to be able to read it and see. Uh, I'm going to go through this, and I just want to see your reaction <laughs> uh, to, to going through uh, some of these teams if it's going to load up. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So um, Western Michigan to open up, mm-hmm. South Dakota, mm-hmm. Alabama at Camp Randall. <laughs> right after that, USC. In in California, Purdue, Rutgers, Northwestern, Penn State, Iowa, Oregon, Camp Randall, Nebraska, Minnesota. Wow, that's yeah. that's crazy. It is. You think ultimately they're just trying to get down to like three three conferences? I think so. Is that ultimately what we're trying to do? Is, is it going to make the playoff thing easier? Mm-hmm. Again, I, I don't know, but as a fan, like it do sure we have seems so many like small it. ones that we're just going to try to condense them all into. Four to five different uh, major things, and yep. everyone who's playing college football has to be a part of it. Yep, it's like you know, Big Ten, SEC, probably like Big Twelve, yep. you know, throwing in there too. So, yeah, with all this movement around, that's it's, crazy. Yeah, and, and again, you, you don't think college sports is a business? <laughs> There's a reason why there's why, why you go from conference to conference and change because it's yep, it's exactly. A uh, I just I'm looking at that Alabama. Then they yeah. get a buy, and then USC. Right? That's Ooh. yeah. That's a that's a tough schedule. And Oregon's pretty good too at the at the end of the season. Yeah. So hey, you know what? You're only as good your your measurement for success is based upon the teams you played and beat. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Exactly. All right, dude. Appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll catch up with you again next week. Okay. Sounds good. Take care. All right. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from hy and Toys and Ford. Don't forget, I would appreciate it. Be a friend. Tell a friend about uh, the Man Cave Podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. I don't care if you review like how you like your steak or anything like that. Just put a review out there, and that way other people can find the podcast. Just don't say anything negative, okay? Uh, but five-star rating, too. Okay? I would appreciate that. Love you guys and gals, whoever's listening to this podcast. Till next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.